month on Substances, we're celebrating the voices of women. Today, we're speaking with Erin Motz, an American yogi abroad and a woman of many talents. She is an independent business owner and a self-starter. Today, she speaks with us about the challenges, but also the triumphs involved in establishing her own virtual business, Bad Yogi. She also discusses the rise and evolution of yoga, a practice that emerged out of India and is now wildly popular in the Western world. Tune in to hear how a woman set out to achieve her own goals of creating her own business, all the while making a difference through her community in yoga. Enjoy the show. But yeah, what brings you to France? I, I just, I found out about Bag Yogi at last year at some point. So um, yeah. I'm not all caught up. Um, so basically my uh, husband is from Nice and we've been together for a long time and it's always been one of those things where we've said, oh, at some point we're going to go live there and just kind of bring our life and put it over there for a little while and see how that goes um, just for something new, something cool. And this is kind of home for him. So uh, two years ago we decided, you know what, now is the time. It's uh, it's as easy as it will ever be, you know, there's no kids involved or anything like that. So, um, it was, it was a, a good time to try to make that happen. And we did. So we've been here for almost two years in September. It'll be two years. So that's so great. Thank you so much, by the way, for agreeing to do the interview with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. Yeah. Um, so besides moving to France, could you just tell me a bit about yourself, like where you're from, what you do? Yeah, so uh, my name is Erin Moss, and I am the co-founder of Bad Yogi. So I'm from Tampa, Florida. I was pretty much, I was born a little outside of Tampa, but I was raised my whole life in Tampa. Um, and I started teaching yoga when I was in high school. I was a teenager, and I got into doing yoga when I was um, probably like 15, 16, and I was eating way too much Taco Bell and just taking generally terrible care of myself. And um, I joined a gym and I was like, I don't want to do all of these classes and I don't want to just get on the treadmill. So mm, yoga, I wonder what that is. And I wandered into a class and kind of fell in love with it. I mean, right away, I just absolutely loved everything about it. And very shortly after that, I got certified to teach and started teaching and uh, pretty much taught my whole life. I mean, pretty much not most of my life. Um, and then I went to college, graduated, got a real adult job that I ended up hating and realized that the only thing I ever really truly liked, uh, was teaching yoga. And the thing that really pushed me to go and do that full time was when a woman in our office who was like 28 at the time, um, was on her way to work and got I got them like T-boned at an intersection and she was killed in a car accident on her way to work. And that just kind of shook me up in such a huge way. I was thinking, I mean, oh my God, if this is the last day I have on earth, like, is this the place that I would be? This is the place I would have spent my time. I would have done all of this for that, you know, um, it just really depressed me. And so I was like, all right, I have to get out. And I decided to teach full time to start. And when I realized teaching 25 classes a week was totally unsustainable, my, um, at the time we weren't even engaged, but, uh, we decided to create bad yogi, um, online yoga classes essentially for real people. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the short story, yeah. I guess <laughs> the cliff notes. No, that's really interesting, especially because, um, I find that the work-life balance is so different in the U.S. where everyone is so focused on, like, 
what, who you are is what you work in versus yeah. here. I find it so different. Oh, France too. I, yeah. we, actually, we were just having that conversation uh, at our wedding because um, people, a couple people told us about that, that they were like, wow, um, in the U.S., the first thing you get asked about is like, oh, so what do you do for work? Mm. You know, and at our wedding, we had a mix of like French people and American friends and family. So it was uh, that was not the topic of conversation pretty much at all, maybe until a few days later. And you knew this person and you start talking about other things. But mm-hmm. it is so true that it is very different over here. And yeah. I think it's a good difference, though. I think so, too. I find it much easier to um figure out what you want to do in life when you're not so focused on like needing to live up to the expectations that you set early on in life. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. Yeah. Um, so you basically answered my question about why you started Bad Yogi, but so I'll just move on to the next one. Um, so what a lot of our mini series is focused on breaking down stereotypes. And I was just thinking with Bad yeah. Yogi as a woman, it is, is it difficult running a business or do you feel any stereotypes against you? I know it's a partnership, but I've heard that it might be difficult. Yeah, you know, I think it's, I have kind of a unique, um, maybe it's not that unique, but I have kind of a different experience because the yoga industry is very female oriented. Um, so that it's, it is dominated by mostly women at this point, of course, I'm, I guess I'm talking about like the pop yoga industry. Um, but yeah, it is very female dominated. So I haven't felt exactly that kind of, um, I guess I'll call it a stigma from people in the industry all the time we get, we get kind of the head tilt, uh, question mark face from, from people outside of this though. So like when other people ask what we do or ask what I do and it's like, I, and, we, and I tell them, Oh, it's online yoga classes, whatever they go. Oh, and that works, <laughs> you know, like, like it just blows our mind that that's something that is even possible. And there've been uh, at least one instance where I had a guy come up to me in Target when I was, this was a couple years ago, I was reading a, um, it was like a Forbes magazine, one of these business magazines, I was just thumbing through it. And um, the guy came up to me, and he, a younger guy asked me what I did, I told him, and he said, oh, that must be nice that you probably have a husband at home who can kind of take care of you oh. while you just do what you want. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, okay. Um, but as a general rule, I would say that the industry that we're in, this wellness and health and yoga is very dominated by women. So, uh, it's a different experience. If anything, like, I think (laughs) Adrian's probably the one (laughs) who gets, uh, strange looks more than I do, but you know, what can you do? (laughs) Do you find you face any other challenges in running an online business or, um, especially, well, I guess now that you can move abroad, it's maybe more difficult. I'm not sure if your audience is more American based or not. Yeah, you know, in that way, that's been, that part is is something that I think is pretty much the same no matter where you are. Like, if you're remote, you're remote. But I mean, there's just endless uh, challenge when you have any kind of business. Um, It's like this constant, I was writing about this the other day, it's it's like a constant, this is not particularly revolutionary in terms of thought process, but it really is always up and down. It's like such a roller coaster of emotion. (laughs) Again, this is very cliche and I'm sorry for the analogy, but it's very true. You know, like literally one day to the next is like 
everything is great. I feel so good about what I'm doing. I feel confident. I feel like, yes, everything's going in a good direction. And then for no reason at all, the next day you just feel like everything I do is shit. I'm just useless. This is the, this is the dumbest thing. This is never going to work. No one's ever going to care about what I'm doing. You know, it's very up and down. And so I think the biggest challenge with running a business is that is like your own internal, uh, this struggle between feeling like you believe in yourself, but still, being motivated to push and do more, um, so that you're actually successful. Um, and that's, that's like, uh, an umbrella struggle, I guess. There's always like the little things of dealing with partnerships that go bad or, uh, you know, little glitches on your website or, or customer service issues, you know, like, of yeah. course, all of that's a part of it, but definitely the biggest one is the one that is just all happening in your, in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, so then on a separate note entirely, when someone asks where you're from, what do you say? When someone asks where I'm from? Yeah, like do you specify, uh, this is just something we've been talking about with expats because um, the other girls yeah. and I that run substances, we're all American expats. So we find that it's different when you say like, I'm from Virginia or I'm from the States or you just don't say. Totally. Yeah, that is a good question. I actually usually, I start by saying I'm from the States, which I learned only after <laughs> I'd been here for a few months because I thought, oh my gosh, how, how kind of naive to be like, everybody knows where Florida is, you know? No. So yeah, I started saying States. And then if people ask, I'll tell them Florida and I usually get, oh, Disney World or oh, Miami, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, that is a very, uh, expat question. I start with the U S and then I, I narrow it from there. What do you say? I also learned the States um, coming abroad because I used to be like, oh, I'm from the, but I don't like saying I'm from the United States. I don't know why. It just sounds really like formal and obnoxious. So, <laughs> and then I think I heard another American do it. I heard them be like, oh, I'm from the States. And I was like, oh, but that's the way to do it. Yes. This is like the low key way. Because like, Virginia exactly. is not that well known either. Like it's, it's known, but like, it's not Washington, D.C., or something. Right, right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I say the States or I say the US, depending yeah. on who I'm talking to. But yeah, the United States. I yeah. Unless I'm saying it in French, actually. If I say it in French, I say the United States in yeah. French. But yeah, I, otherwise, it's just it's weird. <laughs> I've made the mistake before of saying I'm from America. And that's gone really poorly because I just wasn't thinking. And then they're like, yeah. oh, from South America. And I was like, nope, 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 oh, definitely shoot. not. Like, <laughs> let me further specify. <laughs> um, so how would you define expat then? Since we're talking about oh it. Oh my like gosh. <laughs> um, I guess if I had to think about this, um, I've never thought about that before. Mm. Probably just someone who lives in a country that's not their own. But then also with expat, I kind of have, there's a connotation that you're not necessarily there forever settling, living yeah. there for the rest of your life. You know, expat kind of has a more fluid feel to me. So expat feels mm -hmm. like you're here for a little while, but you probably won't be there for the yeah. long term. At least that's the, the image that I get in my head. Yeah, it's just such an interesting uh, thing to think about. I've been thinking about it too, living abroad, kind of like, if you say you're an expat, you're automatically being like, I associate myself with my home country, but not necessarily this one. Exactly. Yeah, it does feel non-committal in yeah. a way. I guess, well, you've been living in France for two years, you said, right? Yeah. So would you consider, would you say that you're French? Or do you say like, I, I, I live in France? Or how do you identify then? 
Oh gosh, I I feel so far from French. It's not even funny. I mean, it's funny because I I I one hundred percent identify as American when I'm here. Granted, I I I fully respect France and I I love living here. And of course, there are things to complain about with any place, but uh, and little annoyances and grievances. But I love living here. I love the lifestyle and the culture and the the geography. It's such a beautiful place. But I 100% feel I'm American. But then when I go back to the States or when I talk to friends and stuff over there or when they come visit, they'll say to me, oh, my gosh, you you look so French or you're doing this thing. It's so French or you seem so whatever, you know. So maybe if I was here for a longer time, maybe I could incorporate both. But at this point, I feel in France, I'm completely American. But then when I go back home, I feel like, hmm. Something else is in here too, mm-hmm. so I can't I can't even bring myself to say that I'm even remotely French yet. But maybe someday. I'm American right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I lived in Germany for a year. I came back yeah. to the U.S. and such a culture shock experience. Like, gosh, you know, like it was only home for a couple weeks, and I was like, I don't like it. I don't feel like comfortable here. Like something is off. I have to like get out. Yeah, isn't that funny? I think. Um, strangely I've heard that specific experience with people who lived in Germany a lot and I don't know why but I also I was in I was in Germany for like a month um a few years ago and we loved we were in Berlin and I absolutely loved that city and um absolutely loved it and so I totally even when I was here though in this in front in France I still had a similar experience going back to the U.S. where I was like Mm -hmm. Whoa, I mean, you are a little reverse culture shocked there initially. And same, I was only there for two weeks going back to the U.S. this time. But um, it was my first time going back. And I, you know, certain things you notice that you didn't before. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, yeah, Amer- we, Americans do they talk really loud. Or like they, everybody's very. <laughs> uh, it is. It's really interesting. You, know, you just notice random things that you wouldn't have yeah. before. Yeah, it's definitely this mix of feeling or I find like living abroad, I feel sometimes really nostalgic about things at home. And then I get home and I'm like, interesting. Like, I don't really feel the same way about them now that I'm experiencing them for myself. Oh my God. That's so true. It's so true. Oh my gosh. I, yes. A hundred percent. Like there's stupid things that I'm nostalgic about that even in the States, I never cared about. Yeah. Like for our wedding, we obviously was here in France and we, um, we didn't do a gift registry per se, but people kept asking us what to bring, you know, as a gift. And we were like, okay, fine. We made a list of like American food that we wanted, like stupid things, gross things like Cheez-Its, Gushers, (laughs) beef jerky, things that like none of those things. I never ate those. Like every few years, maybe I had one of those things, but Mm -hmm. never, never, never. So the fact that like goldfish, you know, what (laughs) and why? So it is so weird how you can be so nostalgic for something that like is just it it almost um, symbolizes your country, but it's not necessarily a thing that you even care about. It's just a symbol of it. (laughs) No, it's really true. I find that especially like interacting with like Dutch or German friends and I go home and I always ask, you know, I'm like, is there anything you want me to bring you? You know, because like I'll be there and I can get something and they're like, choose something American for me. And like, it's really bad. But my thought process is I'm like junk brand food. I have to bring back oh. junk brand food. It's the only thing I can think of that like automatically associate with America that isn't like something that we've taken from another culture and like put into our own. Exactly. It's so true. Like there's um most of Adrian's family uh is very like 
I guess I would say part American. Like they've all spent a significant amount of time in the States. So they all speak English very well and they all have their own kind of memories and experiences of the U.S. So when we went back this last time, you know, like, um, you know, his grandmother wanted only McCormick vanilla extract or like his (laughs) uncle wanted meatloaf spices, you know, like meatloaf. Mm. Of course, of course, that's American. But yeah, it's just uh, it is interesting what what we the only the very few things we have that are truly American, right? <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Um, how would you describe then your relationship with the U.S. Like especially now, how you feel about it? <laughs> yeah, it's very it's a it's tough um, because I well, I mean of course politically I mean that's kind of like the elephant in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Politically, I feel so misaligned with with my country in a way, uh, especially like after the election, you know, I remember thinking I was so confused, you know, I remember feeling like I, I had no idea that I will say my country was on so many people were on such a different page than I thought we all were on, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that was, that was an interesting experience in general. I have, I think having distance from it, so I don't live there and I haven't lived there in a little while, I do have a certain fondness for it. I would say even a fondness that I didn't have before um, for all of its flaws, which of course there are plenty. Um, I still have um, a certain degree of pride that I don't think I will necessarily get rid of. And it has nothing to do with politics or anything like that. It's just the simple, it's kind of like your family, you know, mm-hmm. unless your family is really terrible. <laughs> like there's always a certain, like, yes, I, I love those people no matter what. And even like now my friend brought me like a little American Aww. flag <laughs> <laughs> um, when she came to visit. So it's like, it's, it's in little things, which again, would I be the kind of person that had an American flag like on my desk when I worked in the state? No, no, that was not <laughs> me, you know, but yeah, having been away from it for a while, I do have a a certain pride and love for it that I think is, uh, won't ever go away. Yeah. I feel very much the same. I've been feeling, I've been trying to channel that through like a love of American history as opposed to like current America. So that way I can be like, I love America, but just, you know, 1776 America. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right. And and even we were at, um, we went on a trip back to the country here a couple of weeks ago and there was, we met this family from Switzerland and they spoke English very well, so they were talking to us about the states. And I could tell that the 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 guy, like the husband, he was kind of dancing around, asking me about like, oh, what do you think of your new president? Uh-huh. He wasn't asking me that question, but eventually he kind of he said something like, made like a side comment about it, like, oh, well, you know, your president now likes whatever. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, like that's that whole situation is just kind of it's a little embarrassing. And he goes, it is embarrassing. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, my God. wow, and he was kind of a jerk. But I mean, wow. So it's, there is this kind of undertone of um, uh, disappointment from the rest of the world. It is kind of interesting to feel now, whereas mm-hmm. before, you know, I think people largely liked the president that we had before yeah. uh, the one we have now. So it's just a different, it isn't an interesting experience to kind of be a representative for the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> today. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree entirely. Um, so then on a different note, uh, yoga culture is kind of Eastern in a way, technically in its origins. So how do you feel, because online, 
there's a lot of um, arguments about how Westerners appropriate yoga and they use it for their own purposes. And especially when people don't go excessively into mantra study, into all of the spiritual realms of yoga when they practice. Uh, do you come across this a lot online? Yeah, I do. I think it's it's like a, a constant conversation that's happening about that. Um, and, and I, I agree. I totally agree that, yeah, we, we totally took that and, uh, just kind of made it fit into our lives, Western side of the world. Um, uh, and I have mixed feelings about it because part of me is definitely, I definitely agree where I'm like, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's a little disrespectful. I get that. Um, yeah. you know, and then on the other side, I still feel like, I've made this analogy with bad yogi before where yoga is something that's good to do, right? It's good Mm -hmm. for you. It's good for you in many different ways for many different reasons. But when you take, let's say some of the spirituality out of it, it's basically like, uh, giving somebody broccoli, but smothering it in cheese, right? Like (laughs) it's, it's not the pure form of that thing, but you're still getting the broccoli, right? Yeah. So it's like bad yoga. I, I was saying like my analogy this for this a while ago was like bad yogi is like the cheese, you know? <laughs> so like you're still getting it. So I think for people who, who say things like, oh, well, you, you're diluting it by not incorporating yeah. Sanskrit and mantra and the teachings. Um, I guess you're, I guess that's right. Um, but I don't, I don't actively fight that, but I do think that, I do really strongly believe that it's important for people to experience yoga in a way that is palatable and then they can choose to go deeper and to expand their practice in whatever direction they choose, you know, and for some people it doesn't go quite that deep. They, they just really enjoy the physical experience of it. And I think that's okay too. Yeah. I think it's a good way because um, yoga is so difficult to get into if you just want to do like the pure form of it, you know, like not everyone can travel to India or, wherever else it is and take classes with um, these gurus. And like, if at least they're going to get something small out of it, it can be like something good. Absolutely. And even like for me, when I was a teenager and I took a class in a gym, so it was even like, it was probably the least spiritually centered uh, experience of my life. Yet it still transformed like so many things about my life, you know? So like that one experience, which by any measure, was not a deep, profound class. It was just a basic class. But look, I mean, look at everything that that led to. So I think that, you know, uh, I think bad yogi classes are far more substantial than the one I took even at that point. Mm -hmm. So I I think there's a lot uh, to offer. And that's because yoga is such a, a broad, deep subject that there's so much to get even when you're not going as far in as you can. Yeah, and I think there's <clears throat> definitely different ways of going deep in because yoga culture in the yeah. U.S. is just so incredibly different than what it is here. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. In France, too, everything is like <laughs> a little bit, almost it feels slower. It uh, feels yeah. uh, more like at the beginning stages. So it's it's not pop here. It's not like, oh, super popular or anything like that. Um, it's It's very... It's it's not like intense. You're not going to find an intense vinyasa class with cool music yeah. or any instructor wearing funky pants. That is not the place <laughs> here. So yeah, it is different. How it's it's less flashy, right in Europe, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's funny because it's um, the, like the Jiva Mukti practice was pretty popular in Berlin, but yes. since I moved to the Hague, um, 
you know, I was like, I want to take yoga class before work because I have work at nine. And in the States, would be no problem to find like 10, 6 a.m. classes. And I have found one studio that offers a 7 a.m. class. And I'm like, this is a whole city. Like, this is insane. <laughs> exactly. Even here, uh, it's funny because so gym culture, same with gym culture in mm-hmm. the U.S. Like the gyms that I used to go to, I didn't go this early, but you could. They were open at 4 a.m. Yeah. and they would close at midnight that night, right? And like here, the earliest, my gym opens early and my gym opens at like 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> so it's, and that's early. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, and then they're closed. Like uh, Adrian's gym is like closed on Sunday and they're only open for like two hours on Saturday. So it's just, it is totally <laughs> different. It's totally different. Yeah. Definitely people are more focused on just like living their life. Yeah. Which is kind of nice in a way. Like yeah, I do like appreciate it. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> and um, with the community aspect, do you feel, um, how do you feel that is on Bad Yogi? Did you intend it to be such a huge part of the community when you started it or did it just kind of grow out of people wanting to chat? Wow. I mean, I think it was something that I, I, I always wanted. I like that would have been great, right? Oh, yeah. So people were just so moved by this that they would take it upon themselves to interact. How great would that be, right? <laughs> but the fact that it just was sort of born on its own, you know, like I I never set out intending like, okay, I'm going to make people come together or I'm, I personally am going to like foster these relationships in front of me and hope that people connect. You know, I think it was just this, the right time for someone to come out of the yoga world and say, wow, uh, I really feel like I do not fit in here. I feel like everybody's on one page and I feel like I'm just existing over here by myself somewhere. And I think a lot of people felt that way, but not a lot of people talked about it. And so the fact that there was now this platform, this space for people to be like, raise their hand and say, yeah, me too. Um, I think that is what, that's how this whole community came about was because everybody was saying me too that's that point of connection for people yeah. to kind of come together and talk about it. So I think that's why, um, it wasn't something that, you know, I was like strategically plotting yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes to, to make happen. So, yeah. Have you felt that I, I'm not sure uh, what your role is exactly in like running the community, so to speak, <laughs> but, um, does it change the way that you interact with people because you now have a different role online than you might have as just a normal teacher in a yoga class? Um, I think in a way it does. Like I, I try to be conscious of the fact that, um, if this is a community, uh, people look, see me as kind of the, the front of it. Right. So, um, I do try to stay mindful of how I say certain things and what I say to try to be as inclusive of our group as possible. Now, of course, that's a very fine line because, you cannot please everyone. Like people will, will be offended by anything really. You can't, you can't pinpoint specifically what will trigger some people and and not others. So, I mean, I, I do try to be mindful of it, but I also, uh, I also feel like I'm just a part of it as well, you know? So I think, I think I understand that people see me as the front, but for myself, I feel like I'm just in this circle with everybody, you know? Um, so online, I, I can't say that it hugely influences mm-hmm. 
how I interact. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the no, question. No, it does, it does. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's just interesting because I was thinking um, uh, after I did teacher training as well, I I felt really strange because I didn't know how to act in teaching because I just wanted to like, you know, be there with everyone else. But at the same time, I felt like I needed to remove myself, you know, in order to yeah. be a better teacher. Yeah. You know, I think it's both because when I was teaching, I, I was, I would say even more in it with them. I would say I was even less removed because you're with people completely. So when I teach workshops and stuff like, Mm -hmm. and I have the community right in front of me, like within my tangible grasp, you know, it's like, then I feel completely, we're all just like hanging out together. It's almost like being with your friends. And Mm -hmm. when I was teaching in class at like regular studio classes, I had a large, my classes were always quite large, but at the end of every class, especially on Friday nights, I had a class on Friday (laughs) evening. One of my students who was my friend as well, she would bake all these vegan um, desserts, like cookies and things. And she would put them out at the end of class and we would have like an hour and a half where we just sat around and talked and ate. And it was completely unofficial. Uh, This was never like the plan. It just sort of happened. And I think it's because I didn't remove myself. And so when you're teaching, you know, I think it's important to totally stay in it, stay connected. So you're leaving them when you're teaching, but I think it's good to have relationships with people outside of that. Yeah. It's a really great thing to do. I enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else you uh, want to say or share? Um, I don't think so. I think anybody who's curious about what we do, um, they can go to badyogi.com. Pretty easy. Online yoga classes for real people, you know, like the people who aren't moved by fake quote unquote inspiration, the people who feel like life is real to them. I mean, you know, I think that's the thing too. It's like, I never connected with all this faux positivity, you know, like, well, everything happens for a reason. And that's just a journey. And, you know, like, like the answer to anything negative or bad was always like, this totally distanced <laughs> false perception of like, well, you just got to think positive. And I think that that ends up shutting us down even more than if we just expose how we feel about things. So um, the classes that I teach are sincere, I think. Um, they're for people who feel like they don't necessarily belong to the regular yoga crowd and uh, they're pretty accessible to most people, I would say. So plenty of free classes, some paid classes, and then we have a full course as well. So badyogi.com is where you can find anything you could possibly want to know uh, about us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was awesome talking to you. Um, Super cool to always like connect with people who are also living other places and doing cool things. Thanks for listening today. We hope Aaron's story inspired you to set after your goals too. Aaron reminds us that although we may face challenges, whether it's gender-based stereotypes or some other obstacle, achieving our goals is really worth the struggle in overcoming such challenges. As they say, nothing worth having comes easy. Do you have a story where you triumphed despite the obstacles you faced? Or another woman in your life that you think deserves a shout out this month? We'd love to hear from you. So please send us any requests questions, and any comments to dosageofrepartee at gmail.com.